liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome back to Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. Uh, it's been a while since I got an update from Australia, the Down Under Brothers. And uh, so I did a double dipped one today. I have on Kate Fantanelle as well as David Limbrick. Both of them ran for uh, parliament in the past cycle. Uh, David obviously is still there. So uh, Kate did not win, but she is now in America. So that's kind of an interesting story. Uh, I'm going to start this one off with David. Gives us kind of a the male and female perspective on what has transpired with the Australian people and the Australian government uh, over the past two years and gives us the latest as obviously it's not quite as bad as it once was, but it's still not going real hot over there, to be honest. Um, but I thought it was a, a good good opportunity to update people because I know obviously there's there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of love between the Australian and the American people and I thought you guys would be curious to, to hear the latest and greatest from people that are you know actually living it as well as someone who's in the political establishment gets to give us some some insight as to why things are the way that they are. And I think that we can always take lessons away from that. Tonight's episode will be brought to you by careerhackers.com. If you are looking to change your career trajectory, if you are not making enough money, if your boss is forcing things into your body, and I don't mean sexually, uh, or that, <laughs> then you have a, an easy starting point that costs you absolutely 0.00 cents uh, to become a better job applicant. Go to careerhackers.com, sign up for the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. All it requires is your email address. That's it. No payment, nothing else. And you're able to get a once daily email newsletter that will give you some tips and info on how to stand out, how to become the applicant that employers are looking for, or to prepare yourself for that entrepreneurial path. Either way, your first stop is careerhackers.com. Enjoy the show. And we are back with David Limbrick. Thank you so much for joining us, David. Uh, he is a MP from Victoria in Australia, and he has been the, uh, the standard bearer of what we call libertarianism over here, but the Democrat Liberal Party in, uh, in uh, Australia. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, and I know it's a bit confusing for Americans. The, <laughs> the words are sort of shifted around. So for the benefit of your audience, there's uh, two major parties in Australia. One's called the, the Labor Party, which is sort of like your Democrats. One's called the Liberal Party, which is sort of like your Republican Party. And then we have a, my party, the Liberal Democrats, which uh, is actually a libertarian party. So there you go, just to make everything really confusing for you. Ah, man. Well, trust trust me, we're, we're accustomed to the uh, definition of things changing. Uh, we can't even agree on what a recession is anymore. So we're, we're used <laughs> to that. <laughs> how, how, is the, uh, how is the Australian economy weathering? Uh, the, obviously, the lockdowns have been catastrophic for the global economy. Is Australia doing any better? <clears throat> Oh, look, there's there's lots of headwinds here. It's it's a bit, um, you know, we've got inflation, which we haven't had for a very long time, same as the US. It's not as, uh, I think it's over 6% now, CPI, uh, um, consumer price index. Uh, so very high compared yeah. to historical levels. Um, massive worker shortages because immigration 
stopped or slowed during the pandemic. And that was a big driver of population growth. Mm. Plus, a lot of people have been out of work because of vaccine mandates and things like this. Um, Lots of supply chain problems. I know that's a global issue. Um, Crazy energy prices. I don't know. I don't know what the price of um, gasoline is in the US at the moment, but I'm I'm pretty certain it'll be worse here. It's <laughs> it's yeah. pretty shocking. It's um, yeah. So oh. gas and gasoline. Uh, do you uh, do you know what the yeah. conversion price is for gas over there? Uh, I don't know the conversion price in American dollars per gallon, and I'm not I'm not game to do that live. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fine. I, I was just I was just curious. I, there's no doubt it's higher. It's probably twice as expensive, to be honest. And it's very expensive here from our historical, you know, levels. Um, it's about four and a half to five dollars. If you're in a red state, it gets north of six in some blue states. So, uh, mm. you know, for, for us, that's that's very expensive. That, that's, you know, just 50 cents below the all time high. And that that all time high was three months ago. So uh, it's yeah, right. it's terrible. It's been catastrophic. And And I mean, these are the things that people like you and I we're warning about when these lockdown policies were first being implemented is that, Hey, if you do this, you're going to create economic destruction, uh, that you won't, you won't know it, uh, you know, at, at its inception, but it's, it's basically a, a, an economic iron law that if you, uh, if you shut down production, uh, you're going to have serious problems. And if you add printing money on top of that or borrowing money, you're going to increase the inflation uh, factor. And now we have both. We have a stagflationary global economy. I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, is there is there any popular will to actually remedy uh, some of these issues? Uh, as certainly from the political establishment, is there is that becoming a more popular talking point? Or are people still looking to the government saying, um, you know, we need more more welfare, more printing, more everything? Look, I think the government itself has started both at a state level and a federal level. We just had a new government in in uh, Australia. There was a federal election in May and there was a change of government. So from the, the Liberal Party, which was the Conservative-ish party, through to the Labor Party is now in government. And uh, I think they've sort of got a, you know, they've got a reputation for spending lots of money, but as well, they've got to work with the financial reality that they're dealt with and we've just got massive debt at a federal and state level and I totally agree with you like all these policies that were happening with you know interrupting supply chains um, you know locking workers out uh, throwing money around like there's no tomorrow getting in massive debt I mean all had totally predictable outcomes Um, we've got to sort of wait and see what the federal government's going to come up with Um, they're going to have to They've been signaling that there's going to be some bad news. So I think early in their term, maybe they want to get the bad stuff out of the way and maybe they'll do some good things. I don't know. I'm just trying to be optimistic here. But uh, we've <laughs> I also can, got I can a, appreciate that. Yeah, we've also got a state election in November. Now, the state government has had to, they've had to face financial reality as well. Like they've clocked up massive amounts of debt. It's totally unsustainable spending what they were spending over the last couple of years. So they're going to have to do something exactly what that looks like. I don't know, but they can't just keep selling state government bonds and, um, you know, hope that people will keep buying them, especially yeah. when interest rates are going up. It could end in catastrophe. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that and also with inflation, you know, there's going to be less and less investable capital that will be able to uh, purchase those bonds. So it, it's mm. this this game doesn't end well for anybody. But before we go down the, the dark path, let's mm. talk about a little bit of the positive that's happened over the past year since I last had you on. 
Um, obviously, the the lockdowns have failed. Uh, I think that's a fair thing to say. And and it seems as if the was it was it popular will that ended them ultimately, or what what made that come to pass? Uh, look, there was massive. Um, there was like we ended up in civil unrest basically last year. It was absolute right. chaos. I know that you probably saw some of what was happening from afar. Yep. But you know, we got to the point where there was civil unrest on the streets. The police were opening fire with less than lethal weapons, you know, rubber bullets and tear gas and these pepper bullet things. I don't know exactly what they are, but you know, it was just absolutely out of control. Uh, and I think people got sick of seeing that, but as well, there's only so long that you can lock people in their houses for, and eventually, right. you know, the, 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 uh, psychological toll on people, the financial toll on people, especially small businesses. Um, but it's like a, it, I, I think we spoke a bit about this last time. There's like this new class system that's been set up and I've referred to it as the, you know, the laptop class and those left behind, right? And oh, man, you know, yeah. if you work for the government or you work for a major corporation, you basically a white collar job, you can, you probably got pay rises during the pandemic. You're probably working from home in your, in your shorts and stuff. You think it's, you know, you see all these people protesting, you know, what are they protesting about? Things are all right. Mm -hmm. But then if you're a tradesman or you're a small businessman, um, or you, you know, you're a parent who's worried about their kids, um, or, you know, any sort of blue collar worker who, you know, can't, can't work remotely. Um, they're, they're, they're mad. Like they're really upset, you know, like these, especially small businesses, they put their life's work into these things and they ended up, you know, having to shut down their business. They get these sort of handouts from government to keep them going. But, you know, some of them, some of them made it through a lot didn't. Um, it's pretty, pretty, pretty brutal. So, you know, you've got this really polarized society and I don't think that, uh, we sort of got past that yet, but it's very weird situation. Man, it's the exact same in America. I mean, yeah. and I, I would be classified as the laptop class because I'm now a professional podcaster. And before that, I was a mortgage broker. But regardless, like, I understand, it. like, if you if you're only concerned with your own well-being and you completely ignore your fellow man's plight, uh, especially when it's government created, uh, I think it's a it's a catastrophic oversight and, and very myopic. You're going to miss the uh, the forest for the trees, so to speak. And if you care about civilization not unwinding, it's vitally important that you do not just laugh and spit on people as they have their entire life's work absorbed because of uh, you know totalitarian lockdown policies. It's it was mm -hmm. just a catastrophic mistake, and and it dramatically increased income inequality, which is ironic because usually the the Democrat Party in my country uh, they they constantly lament that as being um, evidence of us having an incredibly unjust capitalist model, but uh, nothing has created more income inequality than the abdication of the the rights of property owners, uh, business owners, it, it's uh, it's absolutely exacerbated the issue in a in a very catastrophic fashion. So, I, I'm devastated, man. I, I really think that mm -hmm. we're gonna pay we're gonna pay multi decade price for this. Um, mm -hmm. And and I just don't know that you can kind of <laughs> put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Uh, you you have a, a class of people. You you described it perfectly. You really have a, a class of people which have been left behind and uh man i don't know one of the 
you, you spoke about the Democrats and, and they're sort of, you know, they're always talking about income inequality. I mean, the left in Australia is like that as well. And sure. And um, but there's another effect that uh, we've seen like quite severely here. And I'm not sure if this has been a big thing in the United States, but most of these policies um, had a really disproportionate effect on women um, hmm. and you know, especially with the the mums that were trying to, you know, because we shut schools down for a very long time, right? Sure. And sure. so mum was working at home, trying to manage the kids' school as well. And um, even some of the things like, the thing that outraged me the most was when they got to the point where they shut down uh, parks. And that's what um, one of the things that Tim and I actually, my other colleague from Liberal Democrats, po uh, protested out the front of parliament because what was happening is, um, during lockdown, lots of the mums, you know, they, they want social contact, of course, like any human being. And they were going down the parks and letting the kids play. And they were sort of being a little bit sneaky and having a coffee and talking to other mums. Now, you know, sure. but in normal times, that's totally fine. But then they called it out. The government called it out, said, oh, you can't go down there and meet people and and stuff like this. So they closed the parks. They they put tape around all the parks and stop the parks going there because the mums might go and talk to each other. And um, Incredible. I think they tried on a landmine. We we did a protest uh, out the front of parliament, even though we sort of weren't allowed to. And it ended up, they they backtracked on that within a week or so. It was, mm -hmm. um, you know, like they went too far. They went too far. Everyone, everyone knew it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did similarly insane things here. Uh, they were arresting surfers in California. They were actually pulling <laughs> like people off their paddle boards solo by themselves in the ocean, like couldn't yeah. possibly transmit COVID. And they're like, nope, got to go to jail. Uh, and they filled in a skate park in, in this was once again, California. They filled it in with sand. It, it, I saw it, that. I saw yeah, that. Yeah. It went viral. I mean, but these were, this is the, uh, you know, when you, when you, allow all of your rights to be stripped away because of a, a crisis, which I believe that COVID was a, a sincere crisis, but it just, this is the type of insanity that you get. Uh, and speaking of insanity, the last time we spoke, you were on the verge of not being able to do your job because you were unwilling to provide evidence of vaccination, whether or not you had received it was uh, besides the point, you just didn't want to go down this kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, public disclosure of, of private health information path. And I completely commend you on that. Could you update my audience on how that played out? Yeah. So, um, so in Victoria, we had um, vaccine mandates for, for workers and they, we had them for the general population as well. So, you know, you couldn't go into a restaurant or um, community buildings and stuff without a vaccination pass. So you had this like app on your phone and you had to scan a QR code and stuff. Anyway, the, the emergency powers that they're using for these can't be applied to members of parliament um, because, you know, separation of powers um, and the long and the short of it is that they, the executive's not allowed to interfere with the business of members of parliament. Only parliament itself can do that. So what they did is they really wanted members of parliament to be bound by this vaccine mandate that they'd come up with. So they passed a motion in parliament um, Sadly, the Liberal Party, the Conservative Party, voted with the government to uh, suspend members of parliament uh, who didn't hand over their vaccination details. Now, I, I, this wasn't a privacy issue for me. I'd already publicly disclosed that I'd been vaccinated, but I also mm -hmm. said I'm not going to hand over my my um, medical details. 
because I thought it's it's clearly uh, wrong to have the government of the day dictate medical procedures on whether or not you can be a democratically elected representative, right? Like, I mean, of course. it just seems wrong. And in Victoria, we've got this, we don't have a Bill of Rights in Australia, but in Victoria, we have this thing called the um, Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities, which before the pandemic, I was quite fond of. I'm less fond of it now because it's proven to be basically worthless. But <laughs> right. one of the rights on there is, you know, the right to participate in public life, right? And, you know, it's considered a, it's, you know, they've dictated in, in, in law that it's a human right that everyone who's a citizen should be able to participate in public life as a, you know, member of parliament or whatever, you know, they're allowed to run for election. So we said, no, this is absolutely wrong what they're doing here. And yeah, they kicked us out of parliament. So, um, they kicked us out. Uh, there was actually uh, four of us in the upper house. So it's like the Senate. So I'm like the state Senate, I suppose you'd call it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we got kicked out. But at that time, they had um, uh, remote participation in parliament uh, because got it. some people were ill or had to isolate. So they had that. So we thought, hmm. So what we did, we found a nightclub owner who was upset about not being able to open up his nightclub. And we set up parliament in exile in the nightclub. And it was no like really kidding. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was like a really big thing in the media and that. But, um, yeah, we just took our computers down to the nightclub. Uh, they had a big TV screen, like a projector thing that we could project all the stuff on. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, music videos and stuff. But we used it for projecting parliament. And it was great fun. And we got to basically do everything except vote. Uh, oh, you, you weren't allowed to vote still? Well, you can't vote because the, the it's complicated, but the state constitution effectively means that you have to be present in the chamber to conduct a vote. And because we weren't physically present, there's no way that they could manage that. And it would have required a constitutional change, which is a big deal. Um, so yeah, we couldn't vote. Uh, yeah. So, so did that stop at some point or are you still in that position yeah so no no i i we did hand back our details eventually because and we were sort of begged by our supporters to hand back our details because what was happening is right after that there was a huge fight about a new piece of legislation uh which the the pandemic bill so oh yes what well, are we, we doing we, we discussed that on the last time you were on yeah yeah so um they wanted to replace their emergency powers with other types of emergency powers, which they don't call emergency powers, but are still emergency powers, really. And um, there was a big fight about that because we just wanted the emergency powers to end. Um, we didn't want to extend it. And this had sort of, you know, an unlimited time frame that it could run for. And we're still running under these emergency powers now. We've been running under emergency power since March 2020. The government's extended this pandemic declaration out until sometime in October um, this year. So, you know, well over two years, we've been running, you know, life under emergency powers. I think it's just absolutely incredible. And like, like you say, like with these lockdowns, I mean, you know, they're making a big deal about a few dozen cases. They lock the whole state down and, you know, sack everyone or, you know, make them not able to do their job. We've got 50 or 60,000 active cases in Victoria at the moment. Like it just seems like, such a pointless thing that they did. Um, similarly yeah. with Parliament, one of the ar arguments they were making is, oh, you know, we've got to protect Parliament staff and other MPs, you know. But of course, they've all had it now. I've had it too. 
like had COVID, like, you know, nearly all the MPs have had COVID, half the parliament staff have had COVID, you know, everyone's getting it whether you're vaccinated or not. So it comes well, for you eventually. That, that's that's the, the fascinating thing about all this is that, you know, we were well, kicking and screaming. We allowed them to do this to us and and yet it didn't actually accomplish any of the alleged promises that, you know, the, the benefits that we were supposed to to receive, which was eliminating this virus and allowing us to get back to some level of normal life. And and it appears quite evident at this point that we were, you know, we're never going to go to a zero COVID world. It's just not, it's not in the cards. At least it doesn't appear to, unless there comes out some new vaccination protocol that actually can, can accomplish that task, which I don't think is likely. Um, and, and what's most galling is that you had the politicians who were, you know, calling for people to be fired from their jobs if they refused that have now all had COVID, some of them multiple times. Mm. Uh, Anthony Fauci being the most obvious example. <laughs> Joe Biden having it twice in the past week somehow. Um, yeah. Is, has, that, has that woken up the people of Australia to understand that they've been lied to or at least misled in a very grave fashion that these, these sacrifices that we were all put through, the lockdowns didn't stop the spread, the vaccines didn't stop the spread, are they are they has has the majority of people realized that they have been deceived in some fashion i think um it's a good question and you know i can't speak for the majority of people but um sure. what i would Just say kind what of i was feeling about it yeah my 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 vibe on it is that um there's a lot of people that bought into it right and they don't want to be seen as uh you know, backflipping or something. So now they're sort of changing the narrative. Like in lots of ways, a lot of these restrictions are just sort of being lifted and they're not really talking about the justifications for lifting them or the justifications in the first place because that'll bring some, you know, uncomfortable questions. Yeah. But certainly there's a lot of people that were, you know, terrified of COVID. They, they did everything that the government asked for. Then they got COVID anyway. They realized it wasn't such a big deal and they're like, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe we overreacted. Like maybe we shouldn't have stopped the world for this. And yeah. I've spoken to a bunch of people like that. Okay. I, mean, I, I was, I was quite surprised when I got it myself. Like, you know, it, you know, I, I was sick, uh, you know, I was in bed for a few, for a few days and yeah. I felt tired for a few weeks. Like fatigue was pretty bad. Apparently that's a pretty sure. common thing, but you know, I've been sicker than that before. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are, yeah, you know, I, I look, I, and I don't want to downplay it because I know some people did really get sick, including some people that I've known and you know had to go to of hospital course. and stuff. But I think, um, you know, I've gotten the flu before, and it was way worse when I got the flu many years ago. I, I thought I was going to die, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I got it myself three months ago, and I and I haven't been vaccinated, and I had basically the same uh, circumstances that you did three days basically bedridden and then for me i didn't really have the uh the extended period of low energy um but the three days were pretty rough like i'm not i, I won't downplay it at all um but yeah. also also you know everybody else they got twice or triple or quadruple jabbed and they had the same experience it's very difficult for them not to reflect on like hey this is not what this is i got sold a bad bill of goods uh, we were told i don't know about in australia but certainly in america we were told definitively like this is 100% safe and effective and if you get it we can actually move past this thing and that was not even a year ago that 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 narrative was being 
uh, propagated very aggressively, and uh, it's just it's just demonstrably factually in, inaccurate. Like it, like there's no yeah. there's no debate. Like it, it's just it hasn't been the case. So um, I'm I'm grateful to hear that it, it seems you you have discussed with some people that they have kind of seen the light on this. Uh, is was the the kind of like revolutionary spirit that we were seeing from some of those protests where it started to get kind of uh, seemed like a little bit a little bit violent. Um, it, were those people primarily upset with the mandates or was it simply the economic ramifications uh, or was it a, a mixed bag as to why they were kind of rising up? Mixed bag. Um, okay. There were protests before the vaccines even existed. Like the very first, sure. like that protest that you spoke about that I got arrested at, that was in November 2020. There was no vaccine then. So, um, you know, I, I've spoken to thousands of people at these protests. I went along to many of them. And there's very lots of different reasons. Um, uh, one of the things that's striking is that a lot of the people that went to these protests are, are like parents. Um, so a lot of people were worried about kids being locked out of school for such a long period of time. That was a big one. A lot of small business people who didn't like um, having their businesses shut down. There's a lot of workers that, you know, didn't want to get vaccinated and they were upset about these vaccine mandates. There are other people who were just um, concerned about, you know, human rights issues. And that was probably my main thing as well is, you know, certainly I, I'm, I'm really worried about uh, the way that they're just trampling on, you know, our human rights charter and this sort of thing. Like, you know, I, I always thought that a lot of these things were... Uh, um, you know, good legal protections. Like, you know, we don't have like a grand uh, constitutional bill of rights like the United States, but we do have some constitutional protections and we do have this charter in Victoria. But when push came to shove, uh, it was worthless. Like it didn't really protect us from anything. Um, you know, we're meant to have constitutional protections to travel between states in Australia. I think America's got similar sort of thing. Sure. They shut down the state borders and they said, well, you know, it's a proportionate response to the current risk. And they said that with everything, like when they, we've got protections against uh, medical procedures without consent, they said, oh, well, no, this is a proportionate response. Um, like I said before, the, the right to participate in public life, no, it's proportionate response. Like um, the, the right to freedom of movement, it's a proportionate response, freedom of assembly, like all of these rights that people have got, it just seems that if they can say, well, there's an emergency, we've got to do what we've got to do, then um, they can just trample on them like it's it's outrageous. Well, I can't I can't help but ask this uh, natural follow up question. I mean, uh, I think this is the definitely the American libertarian ethos is that the the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, they are only as valuable as you know the people that are willing to fight for it, and and you can only fight for it if you have a Second Amendment, <laughs> which you have wow. to, you have to be armed. I mean, this is, this is the libertarian mentality in America. I'm not, I'm not trying to project this onto you guys, but has that created any sort of uh, groundswell for people demanding further gun rights in, in Australia? I'm just curious. I don't think it's created that, but it has, um, it has certainly shown that uh, having these, you know, constitutional or, or legal protections or legal frameworks they're worthless unless you've got political parties willing to defend them, a judiciary willing to uphold them, and citizens that are educated about them 
and and willing to talk about it. Now, this was a really difficult thing because a lot of these things, it's not like, you know, in America, everyone's taught about the Bill of Rights and they understand it, you know, in high school, I imagine. Sure. Um, it's a really common thing. People talk about it all the time. Not many people talk about the Victorian Charter of Human Rights, right? And mm -hmm. they don't really. And so we were trying to educate people about these things. And um, I think... Uh, you know, I used to be someone that was very big on having these, you know, constitutional protections and this sort of thing. And my party's position is, you know, we do want to have uh, a constitutionally entrenched Bill of Rights, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, similar to what the United States has got, maybe not exactly the same, but, you know, same idea. Sure. Uh, but just having that by itself isn't enough. Um, no. You need you need cultural shift with it. Um I think someone told me the other day, I'm not, not sure whether it was the Soviet Union or North Korea, but apparently one of these communist states had um, freedom of speech guaranteed in their constitution. <laughs> and sort of, I don't know whether that's right or not. I have to check it myself, but it yeah, sort of makes, point, makes the point though, that you know, if you don't have governments that are willing to stand and protect these things, they're sort of worthless. And I think that's unfortunately the situation that we found ourselves in victoria i want to change that i want to change that yeah no i hope you can i mean this is why i i believe strongly this is why the founders of america put the second amendment in there is that ultimately it yes you're right it, it is supposed to be the politicians that defend it but if the politicians are unwilling or they become the tyrants themselves well then it's up to the people and the culture mm -hmm. of of valuing freedom over security um, and that's that's something that we've lost in America to a large extent, too. So I'm not I'm not trying to preach to the Australian people uh, like we have our own problems uh, for sure. Mm. But it just I really I am at this point where I, I've never I never really in, envisioned in my lifetime that that the Second Amendment might come into play when it comes to defending ourselves from tyranny. And over the past two years, it became a real serious consideration for many people that are you know very peaceful people, but ultimately realizing like we are dealing with totalitarian instincts and, and uh, the vast majority of the American people for a time were willing to give up their human rights, uh, mm -hmm. their, their right to travel, their right to go to work, their right to do, you know, decide what goes in their body, what doesn't go on their body, like all these basic principles. And they were just thrown out the window. It's, it's been very, uh, very disheartening, very just stunning, to be honest. Uh, did you expect that the Australian, because from an American perspective, the Australians have always been like the, the you know, rambunctious fighting people. Like we, uh, every Australian I've ever met, I mean, granted, they're, they're you know, young, young people that are traveling the world, uh, as you guys are, are want to do. Um, I've always met them and they've always been, you know, kind of tough fighter types. I was, I was taken aback by the fact that the Australian people were uh, willing to go along with this. Did you expect it? Because I certainly didn't. Oh, it's, well, you know, you expect part of the population to do it. Um, I was disappointed at the the ease with which the government and the government and the media were able to um, smear groups of people and create this division so easily. Yeah. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I was trying to do was to try and disrupt that narrative as much as I could. You know, people when people were protesting. Um, you know, like I said, I spoke to thousands of these people. Most of them were just normal people, right? They were just upset and they've had enough and they hit the streets. Yeah. But then the government here was doing what they've done in other countries and they smear them as, you know, right-wing extremists and all this sort of stuff, which is 
ridiculous for the most part. Yeah. Um, they call us fascists and, too. <laughs> yeah, fascists. I got a kick out of because because they they, like, they were simultaneously uh, you know forcing a private company's product to be put in my body and my protest against it makes me a fascist. I'm sorry, sir, but you may not know what the definition of fascism is if you think that's the case. So yeah, anyways. it's just this crazy gaslighting, right? It's, yes, yeah, it is. it's like, yeah, we're protesting against mandatory medical procedures that are uh, <laughs> bought with taxpayer dollars from multinational right. corporations. And somehow that's fascism. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I remember well, years ago, like um, the left were, they used to hate all these big companies and stuff. Like, exactly. what happened? I don't know. Like, the left used to have some good points, right? Like, I don't get it. I, well, see, that's the funny thing. I, I never, I never gave enough credence to the left's complaints about private business because I would look at the private business and say, like, hey, they're innovating. They're giving me an iPad, an iPhone, a this, or that. A, you know, a new vaccine that could keep me alive, a new product. Da da da. I was like, these are these are net positives to society, and. And I, th I still think that's true to a large extent, but the the alliance between big business and big government really uh, has become crystal clear to me over the past few years. I, I, I did not understand how deep their tendrils were uh, both ways. You know, they're both very much working in tandem. Um, it, it's just it's just very, very concerning. I mean, honestly, because I had, for the longest time, I had been basically just kind of the anti or the concerned about government guy and now i have to be concerned about the businesses and the governments it's like ah man there's too much to be yeah i mean the, the, you make a good point about working in town like it, it's usually major corporations that are the are the problem and the reason that they're the problem is because they have so much influence on government and a lot of people especially from the left i think make this big mistake they say oh we need to do we need more regulations more regulations and of course major, major corporations Say so, yeah, that's no problem. We can help you write them. You know, like, exactly. That's what can, they do. Keep, what they crush our com they, crush our competitors, please. Yeah, yeah. Stop. Make it harder to enter the industry. Like that's exactly what they want. Um, the thing that they fear the most is deregulation. When government just says, uh, I don't know, we're just going to let the market and the courts sort this out. We'll stand back. Then the then the corporations are like, oh wow, we have to. We can only make money now if we make our customers and and shareholders happy, right? So exactly. Um, yeah, like, uh, like I think with the vaccines in particular, it was like um, they're free, right? So you know, the government's got this massive deal with these with these companies. They've put billions of dollars into research, and their only customer is the government, right? Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty scary well, stuff. Their only customer is the government, and then the only uh, <laughs> forced customer is everybody else. Uh, definitely, I mean kind of dictionary definition of fascism but no one wants to call it out for what it is it's it's fascinating um so i wanted to get uh, an update from you as to the political turnover is there uh, you you would uh mention to me that there is some blossoming within your party because of what we've gone through over the past two years i think that's the silver lining of experiencing tyranny is that people might finally start to uh you know pay attention to those that are talking about freedom and rights and things of that nature so has that been the case yeah, look, I, look. Within the Liberal Democrats, we've seen a massive uh, increase in our membership over the last couple of years, especially in Victoria, which uh, you know both suffered the most during the pandemic, I think, and also had you know elected libertarian representatives, uh, unlike other states. Uh, but I think that's a that's a good thing, and I think that's something that we're trying to. Um, 
you know, a lot of these people came to our party for one, you know, because they were upset about the pandemic response, basically. Sure. And so we're trying to, you know, talk to these new members about um, liberty in general, right, in the general case. And uh, that's that's been fairly successful so far, I think. Like, you know, Great. people, you know, we've been bringing in other policies that, you know, or exposing them to other policies and other things that, you know, don't really have anything to do with the pandemic. Things like, you know, drug law reform, these sort of things. And we're generally getting a pretty good response with that. So that's really good. So that's tremendous. I'm yeah. So we've it. got a, we've got a, um, a state election in November. So um, both I and Tim Quilty are up for re-election. We're hoping, hoping that we can, um, you know, maintain or increase our party's representation in the in the upper house in Victoria. So um, yeah, we'll be we'll be doing our best with that. I oh, love it. Well, I, unfortunately, the majority of my audience is in America, but uh, for any of the Australian listeners out there, please please support these men. Uh, you need you need a heck of a lot more of them, and and the the courage you've demonstrated over the past two years, I I I'll never forget it. You know, like the the few politi uh, politicians that were had some first principles that were willing to go against the trend and actually you know this is why i moved to florida is because desantis was even though yeah. i have i have numerous disagreements with him otherwise um his willingness to stand up there and say the unpopular thing which was the liberty thing when it mattered most uh very important and i i just i really hope that the 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 handful of politicians globally that were willing to take that courageous stand uh you know they they see the dividends of it because if if they don't uh, i think we're we'll see less of it moving forward yeah i've been watching the florida situation from afar and um i i agree like you know i've probably got disagreements with desantis but um sure the way that he's been handling the pandemic was very very impressive and his chief medical officer he's, uh oh he's chief great yeah. surgeon what's his name again i've forgotten i, um, I can't remember either but he's awesome he, he was absolutely he was absolutely fantastic i was like oh yeah. wow can we poach him like you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe i'm going to do one of those rare moments where i um push for more government expenditure on something you know let's poach florida's <laughs> chief surgeon general uh, yeah. I, I just thought I, just, I was just like it was so refreshing hearing them talk and just say you know here's the science and you know we're recommending you do this and that but you know ultimately it's your choice you're going to have to live with that and um yeah I was, I was quite impressed with all that yeah i mean both i was both impressed and absolutely devastated that it was so rare because it was such it was such the obviously correct path to take like tell people mm. of the threats tell tell the people which which categories of people which demographics age condition will will be most jeopardized if they don't go down xyz path and then allow people to make their own choices like medical freedom what a novel concept um yeah. <laughs> very so you, very you, disappointing so you you moved states yourself did you yeah i went from california yeah. to florida about a year ago it, it's uh yeah. and i'm born and raised california i absolutely loved it but it, it's just the uh newsom was our governor there and he was as totalitarian as anybody so i had i had really had no choice but fortunately I, I had that option you know in australia i think that probably wouldn't have been the case i may not have been able to move oh look there was a lot of people who did um, move interstate like um, Victoria had our first decline in pop like net population decline in oh some... so you were able to because I thought you said that that the state the border, line... borders were closed during lockdowns and periodically but there was 
times when you could cross the border as well. So, oh, got you. Okay. Yeah, but our, our population declined by, I think it was like 100,000 wow. since the start of 2020. So, um, yeah, a lot of people left the state because, um, yeah, some people went into state for work or just to escape. And also sure. we had, we get a lot of immigration in Victoria from other countries and immigration just, you know, disappeared all of a sudden. And one of our biggest industries in Victoria is actually education. So we have lots and lots of foreign students normally, and mm. there was just none. So, uh, yeah. yeah, big, big disruption in some of our major industries. Well, this, this may be a sensitive question. I don't know, but it seems to me that those hundred thousand people that migrated out of Victoria would probably be your voters, your supporters. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, I don't know, but some of them would be, yeah. I mean, or well, some of them would, you would think that they would be at least sympathetic. Some yeah. of the more cynical minds have said that, um, you know, the government might have been hoping that all these people leave because, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's quite it's a reasonable question. I mean, California, California will never go red again. Uh, red being the Republican Party because everybody that that really valued liberty left during the past two years. I mean, not everybody, but a huge, huge amount. Uh, the the net migration, like Florida and Texas and the hand, you know, Tennessee and south dakota like all their their net migration was through the roof new york mm. and and california just plummeted and and i think that 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 you know in in any country where you ha still had the capacity to pick up and move you saw that happen and, and if you're in a democratic system well now you're you're pretty much entrenched to you like anybody that stayed is obviously was at least willing to go along with this stuff so um has that has that affected your polling at all i i I don't know if that's something you'd like to discuss, but I, I'm just curious. No, well, um, yeah, like it's, uh, we don't know, but yeah, I would suspect it would have, uh, it would have fed into the government's calculations, I'm sure. Uh, on, yeah, you, know, you would think. How they, you know, how long are we going to keep these vaccine mandates? How long are we going to keep these lockdowns or, or whatever? If people, you know, they must be thinking, you know, if 100,000 people left, uh, let's say, you know, more than half of them left because they didn't like the government, then, you know, if you're the government, that's probably, you'd probably be happy with that, right? Yeah, so, that's a that's a net that's good a from their deeply, perspective. It's a sort of evil and cynical way of dealing. Well, you know, it's sort of as well, that's one of the reasons that you have like competitive federalism, like, uh, you know, you're, you're an example of it, right? You've made the sure. decision, like, I don't want to live in that state anymore. I want to move here. That's yep. one of the meant to be one of the benefits of you know competitive federal system. Uh, so you know. and and that's I mean the whole reason it exists is because you know we want to punish uh, the states that treat us poorly, and that's uh, California. I was a high income earner, like I was paying enormous amounts of taxes, and I'm not alone. There was probably mm -hmm. a million plus high income earners that fled California over the past two years, and those tax receipts are not coming back anytime soon. So you want to benefit the states that are treating you how you want to be treated this is the whole concept behind the federalist model and and uh i hope i hope that they pay a price but it also has entrenched their voting block to an extent that i i'm not sure that they'll they'll ever get voted out of power so it's uh it's a double-edged sword it's fascinating and, and i think what that means or what that leads to is kind of a a calcification of the divide where you have these states that that value and espouse freedom ideals and then you have these other states that espouse statist security first type mentalities and and i don't know that we can have a a combined united nation 
uh, with that that huge divide, that huge gap between the two mindsets, both politically as well as from the uh, the population level or the voter level, uh, has that happened? Is there is there other states within Australia that have become kind of the the, the Florida of Australia that are the standard bearers for freedom? It's not as dramatic a uh, difference in Australia, sure. but certainly a lot of people have been saying that, you know, Queensland and New South Wales response was a lot less uh, totalitarian than, say, West Australia and Victoria. Got it. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned about the taxation effects of people leaving the state. Um, although the government might think it's a good thing to have these voters leave, uh, in Australia, you've, we've got um, uh, goods and services tax, which is basically a flat 10% consumption tax on pretty much everything, with a few exceptions. Uh, that is collected federally and distributed to the states. And part of the calculation that feeds in how much they get from that is population. So they're going to get a cut in the amount of that consumption tax that they get from the federal government. So that'll have a big impact. But another thing that no one really thought of until recently is the number of um, lower house uh, members of parliament federally that are allocated to each state is dependent on the population. Ah, right? uh, Yes, yes. So what they're actually thinking now is that it might be as much as two, uh, two seats federally uh, just disappear um, mm -hmm. and have to get reallocated and, and stuff because yeah they I, I can't remember exactly how many per member of parliament it is but it's basically like they they draw up the the boundaries of each area so that it's roughly the same number of people in each that each member yeah. represents and of course if you've got 100 yeah yeah so if you've got 100,000 people disappear that's probably two two members gone yeah no house of representatives here i mean we have the senate um which is two per state but then yeah. the the house, which is a portion based off of population size, so it's the Very exact similar. same model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that that is an interesting point. So you could actually see, uh, you know, Texas and Florida getting additional congressional representatives, where uh, California and New York lose representatives, which I think is a good thing from uh, the vantage point. Even though I'm not a Republican, you know, I would still I prefer many of the Republican candidates simply because they're the only ones that talk about my freedom at all anymore. And the Democrats have completely mm -hmm. given up on that. I'm sorry. I know the the language gets confusing with the Australian no, divide, but you, you understand it. Um, I get it. Well, well, uh, so it, well, let's start here. Is there, is there any way that my audience, I, I don't even know if it's legal, but is there any way that my audience could contribute to your campaign? Cause I'm sure there are people out there that would like to. Uh, no, well, Financially, they can't. So please don't okay. contribute okay. <laughs> if you're American. Uh, we have strict laws about. Uh, yeah, I figured. Campaign. I figured. I just wanted to ask, though. <laughs> if you're an Australian, um, if you're an Australian and you would like to contribute to our campaign, then you can go to ldp.org.au, Victorian election. But um, please don't Perfect. do that if you're if you're American, because um, we'll, we'll have to refund your money. And uh, yeah, it's. I, I don't know if America has laws like that too with foreigners. Probably. Probably, yeah, yeah. I, I, I it's probably a good thing. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We we would have a many um, many other nations that would be funding uh, our political campaigns if that were not the case. Yeah, so yeah. It's a bit of a worry. A bit of a worry. Um, but yeah, like if people want to help, they can share share it around. Especially if they've got friends in Australia, I think you know, yeah. share this video, and I'll certainly be sharing it as well. So um, perfect. You know, look, I think it's it's yeah it's a bit hard for uh people from other countries to help in victoria but certainly you know if they can share things around and follow us on social media that always helps yeah 
Yeah, well, I just want the Australian people to know, you know, even if I can't uh, contribute to your campaigns of your your handful of liberty minded uh, politicians, uh, we we care about you guys. We we really um, there's always been this uh, kind of kinship between Americans and Australians. I don't know what it is. It's like this Hmm. rebellious attitude. I've always thought of the Australian people very fondly. So I was particularly distraught to see uh, you guys go through what you went through over the past couple mm. of years, same, same as I was to see my own people go through it. Um, so we're, we're rooting for you guys and we're certainly rooting for people like you, David. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I, I did want to mention real quick that you were in a documentary. Uh, it's battlegroundmelbourne.com. If you could just tell people yeah. about that real quick. Yeah. So uh, there's a filmmaker, uh, Topher Field, who I know quite well, and he, he decided to make a film to sort of document the events of the last couple of years. And I'm one of the people that appear in that, in that film uh, amongst a, a whole lot of other people. And sure. um, yeah, if you want to see sort of close up some of the stories that happened in Melbourne over the last year, the last couple of years, then check out battlegroundmelbourne.com. And uh, yeah, it's free to watch. So it's great. Um, I, I will note one thing that's good about elections is the uh, number of restrictions seem to have been uh, disappearing rapidly in Victoria. <laughs> um, well, I I'm think that, that means that they're probably not back. popular. Yeah, I'm a bit worried well, that they'll come back. But yeah, hmm. governments don't really want to have heavy restrictions during an election. And um, they're sort of backing off a lot at the moment, which which is good. But it's uh, yeah, that that tells you that perhaps they're not as popular as as the media wants you to believe they are, because if if the politicians are relenting right into the lead up, uh, that may mean that, you know, the, the tide has turned. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, too. Well, thank you so much for joining us, David. Everybody uh, that is in Australia, please make sure you support this man. If you're in America, do not, do not do it. But uh, <laughs> to my to my handful of Australian listeners, thank you so much for the time. We are we are absolutely rooting for people like you. Uh, keep up the fight, and uh, and I hope that you can feel feel the love from from way over here on this other side of the planet. But uh, we appreciate you. Thanks a lot for having me. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by Expat Money Summit. They are an upcoming online summit by my friend, Mikkel Thorpe. He has been on the show. Great episode. He is an expert when it comes to expatriation, and he works with expatmoney.com. In fact, he's kind of the guy over there. Uh, But at this online summit, they're going to have over 30 experts who are focused on moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. It's free to attend. Gotcha. Nada. Expatmoneysummit.com. Reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty. Topics will include how to secure your own Plan B safe haven, how to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money, how to legally reduce your tax burden, how and where to safely store gold, silver, and other precious metals, where the best countries are in the world to find freedom for yourself and your family, how you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out of different countries' borders. After hearing tonight's episode with both of my Australian guests, trust me, you're going to want to have dual citizenship. Uh, if this ever happens to you. you. You will also learn about a libertarian island haven, private cities, communities on the ocean, and food and energy independent towns in Latin America. Register now for free. Go to expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what is happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. Again, register for free over at expatmoneysummit.com. And we are back with part two of my Aussie roundup. Miss Kate, I believe it's pronounced Fantanel. Correct. I nailed it. Yes. Uh, welcome aboard, Kate. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And I'm actually in America at the moment. So an Australian loose in the United States. I've been locked up for two years. So I'm making the most of my first trip overseas in a long time. 
Very cool. Well, unfortunately, we were locked up too, but uh, I'm I'm glad that you were at least able to travel. Um, it, have they made it so that uh, the unvaccinated are able to leave Australia now? Well, my state of Western Australia actually made it illegal for us to leave our state for two years. We weren't even allowed to travel internally within domestic borders. If we did leave, we weren't allowed back in. Um, even if we were vaccinated for a part of time. So it's been quite a crazy few two years. Uh, it's good to be out and about again. But yes, we had lockdowns. We had, like um, David Limbrick said, me and him used to talk about who had the bigger dictator, his premier or my premier. So it was a close <laughs> one. Western Australia had quite tyrannical COVID measures, um, including mandating the vaccine on 75% of the workforce. Um, including three shots, not just two. So it's been quite terrible two years. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, was Dan Andrews one of those premiers? Yes, yeah, so Dan Andrews was a Victorian one and I had Mark McGowan or Mark Mal Gowan as his colloquial known as. Um, <laughs> but yes, so poor Australia, Canada, New Zealand used to be proud liberal democracies, but I don't think we are anymore. And, and having our voices heard in the United States and telling our stories is really important. So thank you for having us on your show. Yeah, happy to. I, I mean, as I told uh, Mr. Limbrick, I've always had a kinship to the Australians. I, I, for some reason, I feel like our energy vibes and, and I don't, I mean, I guess as, as surprised as I am that it was allowed or permitted by the American people, I, I was arguably more surprised that it was permitted by the Australian people. Um, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to watch. So, so you said that you're, you're now allowed to leave. Is that yes. correct? Okay. That is correct. Yes. And, and what, what was the, the law change? Was it, uh, just a matter of, case count that they finally relinquished you guys or, or what was it? There's still daily case count case counts in WA. They're talking about bringing back mask mandates. I know they're talking about that in California. So Western Australia is very similar to California in terms of our approach to COVID. Um, not only were we locked in, we had mandatory vax on 75% of the workforce. We also had vaccine passports put on businesses by the government. So a blanket rule on gyms, restaurants, cafes, everything, even if the business owner didn't want to. Some were raided by the police for it. We were only allowed outside for an hour a day. So we had police watching people at the beach. And as soon as the clock struck an hour, they were raiding picnics, that kind of thing. Uh, it's actually, I've been telling these stories. I've been on a few podcasts and speaking at a few Libertarian Party events here. And they, you guys can't believe what we've been through. And you're right, the Australian people with the laid back attitude is has seen us walk into socialism with sleepwalk into socialism and i fear it's only going to get worse with the election of a far-left government at the recent federal election yeah <clears throat> i share your your concern and uh you know i don't know if it's appropriately titled socialism or fascism but it either way it's not anything that i want to live under and and unfortunately it's very similar to the american model now and you know we're fortunately we have a federalist model where we have other states that we can flee to. I did that. I'm now in Florida. I used to be in California. Um, was was there a significant difference between the different states within Australia that you could, uh, well, I guess you probably couldn't have even fleed, could you? Well, 
if if I left my state, I ran in the recent federal election and I didn't want to leave because I wanted to run and give sure. a voice to the people who were mandated to have these injections against their will. Uh, for the people that migrated to Australia and couldn't travel overseas to see their dying parents in Eastern Europe. So even though I did feel a strong desire at times to go back to where I was from, South Australia, just across the border, I couldn't see my family for two years. Uh, I was living by myself at the time, so it was quite hard but I chose to stay and run for office because I wanted to give a voice to people so that's what I chose to do well good for you I, I'm I appreciate that you were willing to stay behind enemy lines and fight but uh so you could have left though you could have gone to I a could have, yes I could have left okay. but it was quite bad in every state um Victorian WA like I said probably the worst Northern Territory sure. as well was quite bad for a while but the mandates the border closures the lockdowns the mask mandates it was pretty much across Australia Western Australia just held on to them the longest we were the last to let go of the border closures the last to let go of the mask mandates and the last to let go of the vaccine mandate actually I think Victoria still have theirs so they're winning with the dictator contest now but good lord yeah. <laughs> um just out of curiosity what was the the treatment of the aboriginal population during this period so they actually locked down, Western Australia is the biggest state in Australia, and they actually locked us into regions within our own state. So I live in Perth, which is the capital. I wasn't allowed to leave the metropolitan area. Um, then they locked down the Aboriginal communities. You weren't allowed to go in and they weren't allowed to come out. So not only, did, yes, so they actually segregated society completely, along with medical segregation with the vaccine passports. Um, but they tried to force this on the Indigenous people too. Obviously, if you know Australian history, they don't really trust white people as much, you know. Yeah, um, good reason. So, yes. So they were treated just as badly as we were. It, it was it's I can't believe some of the things that I've been telling people since I've yeah. been here. Yeah. I feel the same way. I can't believe that I experienced the past two years either. I'm just like, this is unfucking believable. I that to have to flee my my home state, which I love so much in California, um, it's still it's still heartbreaking, and it's almost been it's going on a year now. Uh, really incredible times. Um, so the uh, what was it? I mean, there was no pushback from like the progressives. In I know that the progressives were largely uh, sorry. Your political terminology may be different, but from our vantage point, the progressives are the ones that usually con are concern themselves most with racism and and uh, you know just the woke ideology. I, I'm surprised that there wasn't some pushback within even though, though the progressives here were the ones that were pushing the you know segregation the vaccine mandates because it was the aboriginals you would think that they might go all right yeah this is kind of a bad look like what are we doing no it wasn't them at all it was our party <laughs> the liberal democrats the libertarian party in australia yeah. that was saying uh hang on a second guys aren't you meant to be standing up for the underdog they banded right. together the two major parties so the equivalent of your republicans democrats are liberal and labor they were just as bad as each other and we've just voted in a far left government i call it but you can't really see the difference we're heading towards a trillion dollar debt which is big for our country i know it's not compared to yours um, <laughs> that'd be a dream come true <laughs> <laughs> they're printing money inflation is through the roof 7.6 percent in my home state uh, so you can't really tell the difference between the two major parties anymore so people like david limbrick myself the real libertarian voices classical liberals 
we're trying to cut through in Australia, but we didn't have to fight for our freedom like you guys did. We were handed freedom on a platter. So we've never had to fight. We fought alongside other countries for freedom, but never for our own freedom. And I fear we're going to have to learn the hard way. And it's we gave up our guns in 1996. I campaigned on guns for my federal election because I'm a proud shooter and gun rights are a big thing for me. That's actually what made me a libertarian. But we gave up our guns. We're helpless now and we have nothing to to do to rise up against this government. So I'm, I'm very jealous of your Second Amendment and, and your constitution. Another thing I'll tell you, you might be interested in, somebody actually took to the High Court of Australia the border closures. They said, this is unconstitutional. We actually do have in our constitution a constitutional right to travel between the states. The High Court ruled, no, in a state of emergency, you don't have that right. So we have very few rights in Australia, and that's why I'm very outspoken and trying to wake people up, but I fear we're going to have to learn the hard way. Yeah, I fear so too. And I was curious if the the uprisings that we saw primarily end of last year, early this year in Australia, was that kind of a precursor to a potential revolution? I, I know you guys aren't well armed, but um, it seems as you know, if you had enough of the population that was upset, I, I, I really can't get a feel from watching these videos. Like I asked David about it and he made it sound like it was a relatively small percentage of the people that were really upset about the lockdowns and the vast majority uh, were all on board and wanted them to be harsher even. Uh, mm -hmm. what, was there the potential that that could have gotten really violent or not? In Western Australia, they actually ended up being quite large in the end. I think it was the third vaccine dose that really got people fired up. We sure. said, okay, we'll have one, we'll have two to keep our jobs so we can provide a living for our family. But when it came to the third jab, that's when I saw the rallies get really big and I spoke at a few of them in Perth. So I did feel there was that swell for change. And in the federal election that David and I competed in or ran for, we did get about 13 to 15% of the freedom vote, we call it, but it wasn't enough. And the, yeah. the system is rigged against minor parties like ours at a federal level. David's yes. got the Victorian state election coming up where he's more of a chance. WA isn't until March 2025, so I've got a bit longer to wait. If I can last that long in WA with the current restrictions, um, I'd love to move to America. I'm not fishing for someone to marry me to move here, but <laughs> I would love to live in your beautiful country and then bring freedom back to Australia. But I don't know, I've got two and a half years before my state election, so we'll see. Well, just go to a, a any libertarian event, you'll have a thousand suitors. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been very welcoming here. I would imagine. I would imagine that the, there's oftentimes a critique that the libertarian meetups are like basically sausage parties. It's all dudes. So uh, <laughs> I think you wouldn't very have any problem. I have to say very respectful. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're they're harmless. They're so nervous to be around a girl. <laughs> It's funny, uh, it's the same in Australia. When I went to an event in DC, which was my first stop, and I met, I did a libertarian event there, I just felt like it was in Australia. The, the characters and the, the mannerisms, it's so uh, funny how similar it is wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise me, actually. There's something about the uh, the makeup of people that, that share these beliefs that <laughs> makes them socially awkward or something. I don't know what it is. Um, this is so intelligent. I think I think yeah. everything. <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to spin it. Um, and I think it's actually true. But uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh, Chinese influence. Uh, we have the the current drama du jour is that Nancy Pelosi, our uh, House Speaker, highest ranking official, to go to 
to Taiwan in the past 25 years. She landed there, spent the night there against the explicit commands of the CCP, uh, has the potential. They're now doing live fire drills encircling Taiwan, that the Chinese military is what I'm referencing. Um, very, very nerve wracking for me, you know, just because I'm concerned about obviously nuclear war or World War Three. Uh, I don't think that the American military or the American people are prepared mentally, physically, spiritually for what it would take to try and defeat a nation of that magnitude with that amount of people, with that amount of military might. And also we're now woke and, you know, insane and they're, you know, kind of killers. So I don't think it would go well for us is basically what I'm saying. But you, be, you know, being from Australia, that's your backyard uh, compared to, you know, me. And I'm just curious if you have any opinion as to how serious this is. Taiwan, to me, we've always, as my party, recognises it as an independent nation. We sure. condemn the CCP at every opportunity we get. David Limbrick's very vocal on this, and I've been quite outspoken as well. So I'm probably on a ban list going to China, but that's fine by me. So I'm all for Taiwan independence and recognising it. I'm also a pacifist, though. I don't like to see our nations get involved in foreign conflicts. I don't like the money we've been sending to Ukraine. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been doing some memes about it because we can see where the money has been going and it's not where we think it is. So I'm very worried about China. Um, the Labour Party, who is the far left government I've been referring to, have been proven to have close ties, so I'm concerned about that. My state premier, Mark McGowan, who I mentioned before, he has also been proven to have close ties. So the Chinese influences in Australia is very real. I'm very concerned about what will happen in that region, but I don't know what the solution is because yeah. it seems to me that Australia, our current governments at a federal and state level, are hand in hand with the CCP. And, we, and my state exports most of our iron ore, that's our biggest export market, to China. So the, the repercussions of what's going to happen there is going to be very real and very scary to watch. Yeah, I mean, it could potentially be catastrophic. And <clears throat> well, uh, I think what's really interesting is that, uh, you know, the, the Biden administration, our, our presidency, uh, they they have done shady dealings uh, through Hunter Biden with the Chinese. Um, many of our politicians are similar to what you're describing, are more or less owned by the CCP. And, and I'm perplexed at Pelosi's uh, gambit, you know, to to have her do this against their explicit direction. It makes me wonder, <clears throat> especially after COVID, given that it's probable that the the virus came from a lab within China, which was being funded by the uh, NIAID as well as NIH, uh, Fauci. The, I mean, the whole the whole story appears to make me at least wonder if the American government wasn't involved with the creation. I'll leave it at that to stay on YouTube. Um, and now you have Pelosi, which is kind of like telling the field to give a catalyst to the CCP to potentially invade Taiwan. And I know this sounds very Alex Jonesy and very conspiratorial, but I have to ask the question, do you think that there's a chance that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat Party or the American government is in fact wanting China to do this? Well, I've only thought so far as Australia and what Australian politicians, like you said, have been bought by the CCP. So right. now that you're talking about it from your perspective, 
definitely. I'm going deep here. Yeah, uh, you going deep here. <laughs> I've got this bottle behind me. I should have cracked it before I <laughs> got on the show. This is from Buffalo Trace. I've been to some um, distilleries while I've been. Nice. Um, but now that you mention it, like, anything's possible anymore. Like I think politicians have shown that they can't be trusted, that they've got someone pulling their strings like puppets and that they don't have principles like libertarians do and they'll go which way whichever way the wind blows or who's got the biggest money or biggest check. So anything's possible anymore. And China hasn't had any punishment for what happened with COVID and for being the source of it. So that's why I've I ask. Had, I've had enough, Clint. I, I've had <laughs> enough and I want Australians to stop being complacent, to wake up this laid back, she'll be right attitude. It's not going to cut it anymore. If we want freedom, if we want a voice, if we, we might be next, if it's Taiwan, we're like you said, there we're the next biggest neighbor. We have to be real and wake up and realize if we want to be a free nation like like you guys are, which we look to as a beacon of freedom, we actually have to fight for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's that's the, the most heartbreaking thing about this entire epic saga has been that I know a lot of other foreigners do look to America as kind of the bastion of free freedom, free speech, you know, self-defense, everything. And and we haven't stood up to, and what's even more galling is that we haven't not just stood up, but we, many of us have, you know, clamored for it. We've, we've demanded to be enslaved and it's just horrifying. You know, like I, I wish we could just take like all of the, you know, the handful of, uh, you know, based libertarian Australians or, or wherever disparate parts of the world, and combine them with you know the ten percent of the United States that still values freedom. But I, I shit you not, like I honestly believe it's it's probably in the ten to twenty percent range of Americans that that truly truly value freedom. Because even our Republican Party, which was a little bit more opposed to lockdowns, they didn't rise up. They didn't do hardly anything over it. So, um, anyways, I, I wanted to to pivot to asking about or, or going a little bit deeper on the CCP thing. Do you have any opinion as to why? No, I mean, not just the American government, but Australian, every every government, no one demanded answers from the Chinese. And and the fact that the fact that they didn't makes me feel as if they were in on it. And and I know that's totally crazy talk, but like, why why else? Why would they not demand answers if this is a global pandemic that demands that we fucking break our economy and shut down the world for years? How are we not going to demand answers? I think people just don't want to admit that they overreacted and that they mm. were wrong and that their first reaction was to shut the world down, continue the lockdowns, continue the mental health torture on the people, people losing jobs, economic disaster. We're now entering a recession. I don't care what your president defines it is. That's what's happening. It's happening in Australia too. People, they just don't want to admit that they were wrong. So it's too late to blame China. I think that ship has sailed. So they're saying, we've already made these decisions. We don't want to admit that we overreacted or we carried them on too long, especially in my state and David Limbrick's state too, where it carried on the longest. Yeah. So the ship has sailed on China and, and now we're looking at what's happening in Taiwan. They got off scot-free. No one was big enough to stand up to them, not even the United States, unfortunately. Like, as you described before, the values of freedom, it's something you guys used to fight for, like invade countries to give freedom. Afghanistan, we were there with you because we wanted to deliver freedom to the people. And now we saw your president leave all these guns for the Taliban. So yep. uh, I don't know what the answer is anymore, Clint. You're asking some very tough questions tonight. All I'm, all I can do is speak out 
raise awareness about what's happening, tell people that enough is enough, do you value freedom? Do you value medical autonomy? Do you value freedom of travel? Do you value freedom of speech? And if the answer to that is no, 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 and no, I'm very scared for the direction this world is heading in, not just Australia, but everywhere. Well, that's the that's the real issue is that this is a global phenomenon. You know, it, it's really, um, I just think that the, the global population, I know it's weird to aggregate people like this, but I think that we all got too uh, comfortable we got too comfortable with just kind of expecting and and believing that our rights would be respected and and you know it's just it's just it's mind blowing honestly it's mind blowing that like this is the fact like i could imagine some country overreacting to some virus i could imagine that i can't imagine the entire world doing it simultaneously it doesn't make any sense to me and i know that there's kind of a follow the leader aspect with all this where okay it it arises from China, the Chinese lockdown. Okay, well, they locked down. This must be really serious. We we should follow suit. But to see, you know, 90 plus percent of the countries all do almost the exact same thing and for it to all be dead ass wrong, it just, it adds up to, you know, real plot type stuff for me. Um, so I, I go I go the conspiracy route on this. I don't expect you to, uh, but I will, I would like to push back a little bit against your assessment of of us spreading democracy, I, I wish it were the case, and and I know that's the the rhetoric that we use when we invade other nations. But I assure you, ha having been a, a second gen libertarian and having followed our our military industrial complex for the past twenty years very very closely, especially after nine eleven, it has nothing to do with spreading democracy. Mm. It really doesn't. It's and I, it's. Like it would be great. It'd be great if we were just going around spreading, spreading freedom to everybody. But more or less, it's just about uh, about theft. Is is yeah. there is is there any hope for uh, the Australian uh, political solutions here, or is it ultimately going to just get worse until the people realize that they're slaves and they rise up? Well, I think what you said before about how it wasn't just Australia, it was 90% of countries that re overreacted. Australia has this culture of turning to the government to solve their problems instead yeah, of turning to themselves or to their neighbour or to their family or community. And that's a scary culture. That's how you sleepwalk into fascism and socialism and those kind of things where the government controls everything. And we deserve it, quite frankly, because we turned to the government and we believed everything that they said until we started pushing back and questioning. And there wasn't enough of us. There just simply wasn't enough of us. There were people like David Limerick and I who were out there speaking and running for office, but it wasn't enough. So I think learning the hard way, that's what's going to have to happen in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, those great liberal democracies. We are going to have to learn the hard way. And we probably at some stage are going to be pushed to the point where we decide, are we going to accept this new form of government and control or are we going to rise up? And I fear for the future of my country. I do want to escape to your country for a while and learn more about liberty and freedom and take that back to the Australian people. But I don't know what the next few years are going to bring for Australia or for the world. Yeah, well, that's, that's touching, touching to hear. I, man. It's just, it's just really, it's really incredible. It's incredible that this is, this is a global phenomenon and that we're all, we're all fighting the same battle. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there has been kind of an awakening amongst the American people. It's, it's still not the majority by any stretch, but it's, it's getting closer to that. You know, I think, I think a lot of Americans that, that just took these rights 
for granted are realizing like, oh, hey, like I, I need to get involved. We're, we're now seeing this huge push to take over, you know, school councils and and uh, local leadership positions from from the conservatives, as well as libertarians and New Hampshire in particular is doing a great job at that. Um, so it sounds as if that hasn't been the case in Australia. You have not seen the vast majority of people or, or even getting up to 40% of the population start to realize, hey, we've been lied to, like very obviously lied to about not just the dangers to this, but the the remedies. Uh, is that is that a correct read on this? I would say, unfortunately, yes. They're talking about the fourth booster in Australia at the moment, and my state's talking about mandating that. And people are, are screaming for mask mandates to be brought back because they don't want to be the person to say, can you please put a mask on so I feel safe, even though it doesn't actually make you safe. I oh, honestly, unfortunately, I think the culture in Australia has changed towards the government being the answer. But as I said, 15% of the population did vote for freedom parties at the recent federal election. So that's 15% of the people that I would say are questioning at least, but we do have a long way to go. <laughs> Yeah, got a lot of work to do. Well, it's kind of similar here. I mean, uh, I think we do. We have less work to do, but uh, not much less, unfortunately. So, are you are you going to try and stay in America as long as you can? I have. Well, I was in DC when I first arrived, and I gave a speech at an event there. And since then, I've been doing podcasts, and people have been reaching out to talk to me, which I'm very humble and grateful for people wanting to hear the stories of what's happening in my country. So sure, sure. I'll see what happens. Um, I don't have a job at the moment. I quit my job to run for the Senate because it was a conflict of interest. I also quit my job because they were trying to force me to have the vaccine against my will. Um, so I don't know what the future holds for me personally either, but I'm excited to be a libertarian and I'll do what I can to spread the message and try and get people to at least question, at least question what they're being told. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, we need we need reinforcements. Uh, so I, I really appreciate your efforts and, and I hope that uh, I hope that if you don't find a husband here, you can at least uh, pick up on some of the uh, the American uh ideals and principles and, and bring them back to your people. And I honestly, I, I just think that uh, the economic turmoil that's going to come from the lockdowns is going to be so significant that it's going to force a lot of people to wake up to what they've allowed to happen to them. Um, and like you said, if we have to learn the hard way, we have to learn the hard way. Go ahead and tell people where they can follow you. Okay. So I am on Twitter, Lady Liberty W-A-U-S. I'm on Facebook, Kate Fentanyl dash Lady Liberty. I'm on Instagram as well, Kate Fentanyl. So follow me. I'm a meme queen. I have some really good meme games. That's what I used in my campaign to spread the message. So I'm frantically tweeting and posting memes. So if you like memes, get around me. And yeah, I'm trying to do more videos. I was in New Hampshire today, actually. So I did a little video oh, there about cool. the Free State Project. I think we should have one in Australia. I think Victoria, because we've got David Limbrick there and he's a superstar. So... Yeah. Love it. Well, uh, gents out there, if you if you do follow her on social media, please be respectful with the DMs. Okay, I don't need any <laughs> I don't need any harassment on my watch. Um, thank actually, you so much. People are actually very polite in my DMs. I've never been hit on. I get people <laughs> messaging me saying thank you for standing up for my gun rights and that kind of thing. So okay. It's well, been really good. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it starts with that, and then it's oh. really crazy I'm too naive. I'm just a simple country girl. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for joining me, Kate. Thank you, Clint. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are once again 
in the top 200 of uh, all podcasts in America, <laughs> all news podcasts in America, I should say, according to Apple Podcasts, which is still mind-blowing to me. We've been as high as 130. Uh, I say we because I really feel like we're doing this together. I can't do it without you guys, and uh, obviously you can't do it without me. So I appreciate it, and uh, keep keep tuning in, keep spreading the word, keep letting people know. Make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, you like and you comment and you subscribe. And if you are just listening on audio, make sure you subscribe, of course, uh, but also you know share it around. If you want to red pill the hell out of your normie friends, this is a good way to do it. Because I splice in a little bit of humor here and there. I try not to keep it totally dour. Uh, obviously, as I talk about ESG and the potential for World War III, it does come across as if I'm you know, a super black-pilled pessimist. But I'm really not. Uh, I am actually extraordinarily optimistic. As I've said many times, I wouldn't be doing the show if I wasn't. So thank you guys for giving me some of that hope, for giving me some of that optimism. When I see 10,000 people or 20,000 people or 25,000 people uh, checking out one of my episodes, it, it lets me know that there are a lot of people that see the world similarly. Or at least they're starting to. And that means a lot to me. Um, you guys give me hope. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you'd like to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Oh, also, if you want to pick up a Liberty Lockdown shirt, go to toplobster.com. And last but not least, I love you guys. Good night. <music>